0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God. You are with Lyle and Renee this morning on The Breakfast Show, which means that we're about to launch into our Bible study. A couple of text messages have come through. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, Christopher sent a text message with a link to a website that has a map of all the Indigenous areas in Australia. Ooh. Okay, so you can look that up.
1: Thanks, Christopher.
0: And uh, you can find out what area it is that you are living in. Uh, what else have we got here? Another text message came through. This one in relationship to what we were talking about in uh, with euthanasia, mm-hmm. um, this person wanted to stay. God reads the hearts and intent. Why these people do what they do, and will answer to God. And so God, and I think this is a very valid point that's being raised here, is that some people have done the wrong thing from a good heart. They've done the wrong thing, thinking they are acting out of compassion. I think a lot of the times we just see the pain and we want the pain to end in any way possible and we don't think through the ethical implications of what might happen if we go down a certain path in relationship to euthanasia and we react based on what we see in front of us rather than based on the big picture. Yeah. And God will judge. It's as simple as that. And there's going to be a bunch of people, you know, from those examples that we Saw coming out of Belgium and Netherlands, maybe some of those people I would not like to be in their shoes in the Judgment Day. Mm. Um, And of course, you know, we pray that every one of them finds grace and forgiveness, and that's available to anybody, regardless of what they have done. Mm. But there's some
1: hard to hear, but it's true.
0: It's very hard to hear, particularly when you hear that you know so much of this death in the Netherlands and Belgium is coming from doctors who've taken a vow to do no harm. You know, it's kind of the opposite of doing no harm—taking a person's life. That's the ultimate harm that you can you can do.
1: Yeah, Mm.
0: and it's going to you know completely change the the mindset of how a doctor actually operates and the way that he thinks when this is something that he does on a regular a regular occasion.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: And do we really want our doctor to have his mindset changed? It can't help but affect you. You know, if you've just given someone a lethal injection, you know, once a week, every couple of days, whatever it might be, what does that do to the psyche of your doctor? And do you really want to go and see that doctor?
1: No, I don't. Doesn't it make you like? Here's my first thought. I'm, I'm thinking. Doesn't it make you numb the it more does. you prescribe it, or you, you might be performing um, the procedure? I think it just numbs you to
0: very much so. No, very much so. Mm. All right, so that's a couple of um, messages that come through in relationship to those stories that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also need to remind everybody, The End.Digital, it is still happening. It is in its final week, America and the End. We had a lot of fun last night uh, on the live Q&A uh, part of the show, which um, is where we all get together and answer your questions coming in. We have some fantastic questions coming through. Uh, we've even had some questions come through from listeners who have been listening to The End.Digital America and the End here on Faith FM and that is because immediately after the breakfast show this morning, if you missed last night's show or the simulcast on Faith FM, you can pick it up straight after the show today. Amazing. Yes, it is indeed. <laughs> it's a really, really, uh, it's a great presentation and Sharissa Tarosian did this particular presentation just sensational. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely sensational. All right. Where are we up to? Bible study time. First Chronicles chapter 16. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 16. And let's get a bit of background to the story of what is going on here. David, of course, King David wanted to build a temple for uh, the Ark of the Covenant and for the worship of God. The Ark of the Covenant was actually stolen at one stage by the Philistines. They ended up giving it back because... Um, it's
1: a funny story. Yeah, it is
0: a kind of funny story. The Ark of the Covenant started attacking their gods and tearing their gods apart and they weren't happy about it and hitting them with the plagues and they weren't happy about that either. So they're like, no, nah, let's get this thing out of here. Let's not destroy it. Let's not touch it. Let's just get it, it out back. of here. Give it back. Give it back. Send it back where it came from. <laughs> it wasn't, of course, the Ark of the Covenant was doing that. It was the power of God that was doing that. We do have a correct answer, by the way, for bragging rights.
1: Awesome.
0: Yes. So we've got one, one correct answer for bragging rights so far. Let's see if you can figure out the answer to the clue. Who was it who took hold of the horns of the awesome. altar in order to try and spare his life? <laughs> Unsuccessfully, by the way. Who was that? If you know the answer, you can call us right now on 1-800-324-843. All right. Okay, so David wants to build this temple. God says, No, you can't build the temple. You're a man of blood. You're a warrior. Your son can build the temple, but not you. And so uh, the ark, you know, through a bit of a process, comes back to the land of Israel. And our story picks up where David has found a place to actually keep it until the temple is constructed. Let's read. First Chronicles chapter 16, and why don't we start in verse
1: 1? Okay. So, they brought the ark of, the, of God and placed it inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to God. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave every man and woman in all Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the Ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel.
0: Actually, let's stop there for a moment. Read for me verse 3 again. Mm -hmm.
1: He gave to every man and woman in all of Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins.
0: I like your translation better.
1: (laughs) What does yours say?
0: He dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone, a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh oh. and a flagon of wine.
1: What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very, very different right there. Oh. Um, and I think I'm going to be interested to actually go back and do some research and to understand why the NLT changes that from a flagon of wine to a cake of raisins.
1: They do have a little star thing right? That they have and then they yes. just have... They An say, explanation for us Yes And they say Or a portion of meat The meaning in Hebrew Is uncertain
0: Okay And do we have a star By the Any other stars there? No That's the only that's star the only, Okay so Alright So what's been translated here As a good piece of flesh Is a good piece of food mm. In the Hebrew It's a good piece of food It could be flesh It could be you know, Some other kind of food mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, when you read in, in, in the Bible about a flagon of wine, it's like, oh, you know, he's wanted everybody to get drunk. That's sort of like the natural thing that we think of today when we think of a flagon of wine. Mm-hmm. However, we do need to understand that in the Bible, the word wine can meet any, one, any number of different beverages, mm-hmm. uh, including alcohol, but also including pure grape juice and also including reconstituted non-alcoholic grape juice that could be kept for like 18 months without going off and becoming alcoholic. And, of course, with the service of the sanctuary, alcohol was never allowed, specifically never allowed to be used because there was to be no fermentation that was used at any particular point because fermentation was a symbol of sin. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So context is always important. When you're dealing with the context of the sanctuary, you know that it's never going to be alcoholic because there was no fermentation that was used. This was the reason why when they made bread in the context of the service of the sanctuary, it had no yeast in it because yeast works through a fermentation process to create a rising agent and so the bread was made flat. And so regardless of whether it was bread or regardless of whether it was grape juice, there was no fermentation that was uh, allowed because it symbolized sin and, of course, this was a symbol of... And, of course, unless it was poured out on the ground. Hmm. Uh, you could take alcohol and pour it out on the ground to show that your sin was being you know, poured out on the ground, it being gotten rid of, going, going away. Um, yeah, interesting. A very, very different translation that you've got right there. <laughs> uh, good to have a partial explanation. But uh, I guess I'd be very interested to now find out. I can understand the good piece of flesh that my translation talks about.
1: But mine says raisins, which I can see a a loose link. Dried
0: grapes. Yes. Dried grapes. Yeah. The connection could be in uh, the reconstituted wine because the reconstituted wine would be made from, uh, basically you take your grapes and you boil them down to a jelly-like substance called dibbus, Mm. and you would mix that with water to turn it back to grape juice. Mm. And so maybe this was... Uh, and, and that was of that was translated as being uh, wine in the Bible. So dibbus, which is you know that reconstituted um, beverage, is translated in the Bible as simply being wine. Mm-hmm. Now, in the context of this one, let's think about this for a moment. This is just sort of putting together. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are as a listener. Uh, so send your messages through one 843 or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. In the context of this, if he's going to give it to all Israel Mm -hmm. and he can't give them alcohol because it's in the context of the sanctuary and it's against what the Bible says anyway. So we know that it's not going to be alcohol. But it also would not be able to be fresh grape juice because how do you produce enough fresh grape juice on one day? Because fresh grape juice is not going to last much past a day, yeah. So it can't be fresh grape juice. This is reconstituted, which what, which is why it makes sense that it is translated as raisins.
1: Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah.
0: Because if you take raisins, then you can, you know, and or um, boiled down grapes would be another way of looking at it, similar to raisins, similar concept then it becomes reconstitute, reconstitutable grape juice. I don't know whether that's a word or not. Use it anyway.
1: Yeah, it could be very possible. if, it, like, Especially, if, yeah, to every man and woman in all of Israel, he gave those three Yeah, you're not going
0: to be able to do that with fresh grape juice. Yes. And you can't do it with alcohol. Mm. The, the sanctuary service specifically forbids that.
1: It's a solid meal. Bread, meat, and... <laughs> and,
0: and grape juice. And
1: grape juice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is... This is something that, of course, he could have prepared. You know, well in advance. You know, get the grapes in, produce all of the, um, you know, boil them down, and uh, have the, have it ready to pass out to everybody as they came to the worship of the sanctuary. Okay, let's read verse four and four, five and six now.
1: David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the Ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessings, to give thanks and to praise the Lord the God of Israel. Asaph, the leader of this group, sounded the cymbals. Second to him was Zechariah, followed by JL, uh Shem-Maior, ooh, that's a long word name. Uh, uh, and then a bunch yes. of names. <laughs> they played the harps of Matthi
0: <laughs> Matthew. I, Matthew. Mat Ma- Matt, Matithiah, Matt, Eliab, Benai, Obedidim, Jael again, and Asaph. Oh, and then you've got Jehaziel. Jah- He's coming up. Jahaziel is coming up. Okay. Where did you get up to? Sorry, keep reading so, up.
1: No, no, no. Um and verse six, the priests Benaniah and Jehaziel played the trumpets regularly before the Ark of God's Covenant. Oh,
0: keep going, keep going. Read uh, verse 7 as well.
1: Mm-hmm. On the day David gave Asaph and his fellow Levites this song of thanksgiving to the Lord.
0: Okay, so this is a, um, a great day of celebration and thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. What's interesting here is that it focuses on music.
1: Yeah, it does. There was a,
0: there's a tremendous focus in the Bible and in the worship of the sanctuary on music. And so when you work, work your way down through this, uh, he's appointed these these Levites to minister, but they are not just teachers of the Word of God. This is actually the first professional musical group ever recorded in history. These people are Paid to be musicians, and a is paid to lead them. And the Bible talks about the uh, various uh, um, instruments that they had, psalteries, harps, mm. cymbals. A played the cymbals. Trumpets. Yes, trumpets. Lyres. Okay, so now what's interesting about a saph? is that he wasn't just a Levite, he was also a musician. And he wasn't just a musician, he was also a prophet of God. Now, here's what's interesting. When you read through the Psalms, you're going to find a bunch of Psalms from David. You're going to find a small selection from Solomon. And you're going to find a reasonable selection of Psalms from Asaph. Asaph is one of the authors of the Bible. Which places him as you know one of the prophets who brought to us uh, the Bible. Uh, anyway, so just had a text message coming through. Probably should share this real quick. Um, somebody wanted to text in to say, "I'm so disappointed. The American end is coming to an end." Oh, our <laughs> last one tonight. Mm-hmm. Where did it go so fast? It's been a real. I I, I understand that 33,000 people have viewed the presentations. Those stats are pretty old. That was last week. Okay. Well, could and those stats change very, very rapidly. Yeah. Um, so, praise God for thirty-three thousand people last week who watched it. Uh, oops, what happened here? Where did my text message go? Uh, thirty-three thousand people have viewed the presentation. The good thing is that we will be able to watch them again on YouTube. I recommend for all to tell their families and their friends. They need to know this in these last days. <laughs> my thanks to you, Sharissa, Justin, and Matt. Wow. That's a nice text message right there. We have a- it's good to hear from people who are actually listening to the end.digital and being blessed by it mm-hmm. uh, because that's a, that's a great recommendation. So, yeah, it's probably over 40,000 people now. Yeah. That's a popular pro. And we brought, well, this is one of the reasons why we brought, we brought it back a second time yes. uh, because we did the end.digital back earlier in the year. When was it? Back in July or something or other? Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly now. Uh, we had an amazing time doing that. And this is why we brought it back a second time. We're like, no, this is, um, you know, too many people were out there asking us to come back and do another one, so we did another one. Who knows what will happen next year? Mm -hmm. If the demand is there, we will keep going.
1: Well, with these kind of listeners who keep texting in like that, like
0: they're the best promoters. Yeah, and with uh, (laughs) 30,000, 40,000 people watching the program, it definitely makes it worthwhile. Praise God. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, where are we up to? We're talking about Asaph, who was the player of the cymbals. Someone needs to start a a musical group.
1: What would you call it?
0: I don't know, but they need to start a musical group that has the same musical instruments that were used in the sanctuary just to see what they sound like together. You know, what does a trumpet, a harp, a psaltery and cymbals sound like? When they're used together,
1: I don't think I can't think of a melody. Like I can't think of what it would sound like. But I, like you, I'd be interested to hear it.
0: Yeah, I would be too, <laughs> because typically, you know, you have your brass band, or you have, you know, and that's like brass instruments. Yes. Um, this is a variety. You've got wind instruments. You've got um, percussion instruments. You've got um, you've got uh, stringed instruments. All being blended together, it'd be quite the orchestra. Mm. And it would be, you know, I guess one day in heaven we'll have to get these guys together, you know, Asaph and Zechariah and Jael and Shemi Ramoth and Jehiel and, and Matti and Eliab and Ben and I and Obed Edom. Get these guys together and say, okay, give us a give us a give us a demonstration, guys. We'd love to hear you guys again. Let's let's bring it back. Someone um, somebody texting in just to comment also that uh, the Temple of Solomon, when you come down to the time of Solomon, because this is just the start, they had a professional choir of 4,000 singers. Woo. Yeah, that would be absolutely spectacular. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we're talking about uh, this great celebration that David is having. Uh, with the Ark of the Covenant finding a home and the fact that he has started here with a small musical group, mm-hmm. which of course under Solomon grows to be about 4,000 people and that would be absolutely amazing to sing. I don't think we've ever had a choir. Has anybody, has anybody in the world ever had a choir in recent times with 4,000 people in it?
1: Mm. No. There's been some big
0: choirs.
1: I've seen, like, choirs in, like, the Olympic Games. Or...
0: Yeah, that would be the only place where you would come close, I would think.
1: Or... My
0: wife sang in a large choir at the Opera House one time. I don't know how many people were in that, but I wouldn't think it would be anything even remotely similar to this.
1: I know the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir has a lot of,
0: you know... Let's see if our producer can find what is the biggest choir in existence in the world right now. And we'll compare it with the one that Solomon came up with, with 4,000 singers. But it starts here with how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It has nine. It starts with nine. Yeah, just nine. Good good start. All right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, let's continue reading on down here. So David writes a psalm specifically for this occasion, a hymn, a song, you might call it, and he gives it to Asaph and to his musical group. And he's like, okay, guys, here's the song for today. Go ahead and sing. Let's read it.
1: So it says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his goodness, his greatness. Let the whole world know that what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exult in his holy name. Rejoice you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is, our, he is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. Remember his covenant forever, the commitment he has made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. He said this when you were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf. Do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets." Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he has done. Great is the Lord. He is most most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above, above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is gracious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise for the Lord is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us O God, our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Pray Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting.
0: There you go. All right. That's an amazing hymn right there. And we have found that Solomon's choir of 4,000 members has been topped in recent years. Oh. Okay. So according to the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, in 12th of October, 2015, there was a gospel choir. Uh, Put together by members of the Church of God International in the Philippines. They gathered at the uh, Renta Coliseum Manila in the Philippines to sing. And you can see them there on YouTube. They're all dressed in white shirts, black bottoms, white tops, black bottoms. Um, So this is not just uh, any, this is a choir that's in uniform right here. They've got a full orchestra happening. And wait for it. According to the Guinness World Book of Records, there was eight 1,688 people singing.
1: Oh, that's a big practice. You
0: know, I I tend to think think this would be the choir that you could never really appreciate on YouTube.
1: No, you've got to hear it in person. You would
0: actually have to hear this in person because on YouTube I think the voices are probably going to blend a little bit too much and you're going to miss the power of it. Mm. This is a choir where you'd actually have to be there. Somebody else texted through... That in 2016, they pulled together a choir of 21,262 in exactly the same place. Same church, same place. In Manila? In Manila, in the Philippines. Oh. Now, I don't have that one coming up on uh, Guinness World Records at the moment, and I'm not sure why, but um, this one shows 22nd of May, 2016, mm. with. Uh, and, and if that happen then that's super impressive <laughs> yeah, yeah that is really quite amazing I you know that would be something that would be something worth traveling to hear mm. the problem is I think to hear the choir is there any other room in the is there room in the stadium the for spectators and the choir? <laughs> is there room for anyone else
1: <laughs> I don't think so
0: I I you know hey I would definitely go and hear that
1: the, the atmosphere when you're around just a, a massive group I, I mean I've seen just smaller choirs and you just feel the feel
0: the yeah we're getting we're getting a confirmation here twenty one thousand two hundred and sixty two people in two thousand and sixteen oh. and it does look like there is some uh, people in the congregation it's <laughs> so a big big stadium people. right there big 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 stadium yeah Ah, wouldn't it be amazing to have something like that in Australia? Wouldn't that make a uh, an impact for Jesus Christ to have that many people gathered together to sing to for for Jesus Christ? Some of our big churches need to get together and after COVID, and see if they can uh, see if they can pull this off. All right, let's work our through our way through some of the highlights of this psalm because this psalm was not just written as a uh, a psalm for worship, but it's also written. ...as a sum of educating, educating God's people in relationship to the sanctuary... ...what the sanctuary was all about and uh, about God's grace. And what it does is it draws a very large contrast... ...between the type of God and the character of the God that was served in Israel... ...and the character of the gods that surrounded Israel. That were mean, that were horrid, that demanded child sacrifice. This was a God of love... And what a contrast that created. No wonder that Israel was designed to be a beacon of light in the ancient world. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. It is now time for... For... Oh, there it is. Question of the day. Okay, question of the day. Question of the day came in, um, and somebody wants to know about IVF and div- the, the morals and the ethics of IVF and designer babies. Okay, so we're going to talk about this. We're going to start by talking about IVF. We're going to put it in a little bit of context. So first of all, we are going to assume that this is in the context of Christianity. There's a Christian radio station, Christian person asking the question. So should a, question, should a Christian be uh, involved with IVF or not? Um, we'll talk about designer babies if we get a chance. So we're not talking about same-sex couples. Um, using IVF, we're not talking about somebody who's using third-party sperm in IVF. Um, we're not talking about surrogacy in relationship to IVF. IVF; those are all uh, ethical questions of their own that we need to look at from a biblical perspective. Okay, IVF is uh, has a has a variable success rate between forty down to twenty percent, depending on the age of the mother. Now the question, the first question that pops up is this. Should we we be taking that kind of risk with human life? Okay, so if you're an older mother and you're having IVF, and and I first want to say that I love the technology behind IVF. I think it's amazing, and I think if a person, you know, a couple, a a married Christian couple can't have children and there is a way for them to be able to have children and science can provide that, go science. Mm -hmm. Illness is a result of sin, Mm -hmm. and if we can tackle illness, we should tackle it with everything we have, every piece of science that we have. It's as simple as that. There's nothing morally wrong with it's actually a moral right to try and deal with the illness of impotence or um, you know, just not being able to get pregnant for whatever it might be. Okay, but here's some considerations that you need to look at from a uh, moral perspective, um, and that is, okay, what constitutes a person? Now in ancient Israel a person was a person from the point of conception and the Bible says that a person is a person from the point of conception because from the point of conception they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> okay, so then that raises another interesting question because in the process of IVF um, what happens with the embryos that are created and then discarded.
1: Okay. That what do you
0: what do you do, what do you actually do with those embryos? Hmm.
1: See,
0: so this is where it becomes a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Um now of course there are some churches out there who would say no, we don't support IVF because parents should just leave this up to God's will and if it's God's will for them to have children they will have children if it's not it's not well it's also God's will for us as human beings to get out there and to involve ourselves in science and to learn really really cool ways of solving the problems that sin has brought to our world and so I don't think that that is an appropriate answer to the problem uh, but one thing that you do need to take into consideration is the embryos that are created. and I do notice in uh, the United States, of course, they have a embryo adoption program, which is you know, I guess another interesting take on it where you can adopt an embryo uh, that has already been created through an IVF program. I like that. yeah, it's kind of nice, isn't it? I like you know it. if you're unable to have children yourself and it's just not working out for you. Adopt an embryo and you can have a natural birth that way. Yeah. It, uh, so many things we could talk about. Did you want to ask about designer babies, I have two designer babies. They were both designed by God.
1: Amen. And
0: I would like <laughs> to leave it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we as human beings should be going around and messing with that yeah. uh, because, you know, then we're simply going to be, you know, getting back to the old Adolf Hitler thing, let's go and build ourselves a super race.
1: Yeah. That's out of our scope. That's, that's not something that yes. we need no. to concern ourselves with. Yeah.
0: Let's have designer babies designed by God. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.